All right, good morning everyone. It's great to be here. I see most people are here, so I'm going to turn my stand like this, so you guys are just whatever. No. So, well, good morning. So what is today? Super Bowl Sunday, right? How many are going to watch? How many are rooting for the Bengals? How many for the Rams? Really? Uh, yeah, well, of course. So... I put on all my uh, little things over the past week, like at the end, go Bengals, and then I cross out Bengals, because how, but, because how can you root against Joe, right? So anyways, I mean, what a feel-good story. I mean, he just seems like an awesome guy and how it's all come together. So I'll be conflicted later today, so I don't know. Anyways, so we'll forget that, and we're going to go back into the book of Acts, um, uh, been good, right? Going through the book of Acts. Are you guys ready to move on to other things? No? You're like, come on, be done with this. So we're in Acts 16 today. And uh, we're going to look, there's, you know, obviously when you go through, um, I shouldn't say obviously, but especially in the book of Acts, it's an historical book. And as you go through it, there's going to be repeated themes. And we're going to look at one of the repeated themes probably again this morning. Um, which is the leading, guiding, and empowering presence of the Holy Spirit um, as the disciples are following Jesus' command, right, to go and make disciples of all the nations. And uh, so but before we do that, let's, let's pray real quickly and commit this time to the Lord. Lord, we do uh, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you, Lord, that uh, life is fun. There's so many uh, great things to be involved with and um, like football today and, and all kinds of activities and pursuits that you've given us to enjoy. Thank you, Lord, that you've also shown many of us that you are the ultimate joy to pursue. You're the ultimate uh, reason for life. And we thank you for your word this morning. I pray and ask that it would speak to our hearts and uh, that you would move, that you'd make a difference this morning. We're just not going through the motions, God, but our hearts would be open to your word and uh, and that you would teach us, and we'd learn from you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Let's look at Acts 16, starting in verse 6. It says, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again... The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. And that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with them, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Man, my first impression of this is, man, the Holy Spirit is so involved in Paul's travels as he's going out making disciples of all the nations and preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How involved the Holy Spirit um, is in that, preventing them from going into certain areas while opening up doors for others. And of course, that raises the question of like, why? You know, because eventually churches were established in Asia. So it, you know, it begs the question of, why is the Holy Spirit preventing that at this time? And there's really no clear answer uh, anywhere in Scripture. Maybe the closest you could get is 
2 Timothy 1.15, where Paul says that all those who came here from Asia have deserted me. So who knows? I, I mean, maybe if they went there, uh, they would not have been fruitful at all, or maybe um, it was to preserve Paul's life. Maybe he would have been killed if he would have gone there. Those are questions we, we just don't know. But this does raise three questions I want to look at this morning through this passage. And the first is this. Does the Holy Spirit still lead this directly? Does he still lead this specifically in our lives at times? This clearly? And especially extra-biblically. Like, you know, specific, like, to me, to you, on what to do, maybe where to live, where to go, where not to go, and that kind of thing. Second question, how can I be led like this by the Holy Spirit, if indeed God is still doing it this way? And uh, then the third question would be, what if the Holy Spirit hasn't ever led me like this? What, is, what does that mean? So, so the first one, does he still lead? Well, before we get into that, that first question, I should say, like, through, through, through history and at least, you, you know, during our time, too, the church tends to kind of go... Uh, uh, pendulum swing on this. Some churches will be uh, like the Holy Spirit is giving direction on every little thing in your life, right? Like you don't do anything unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do it or he should be telling you. Like, oh, should I take this road to go there or that road? Oh, Holy Spirit, what should I do? And sometimes may be paralyzed if, if there isn't direction or at least perceived direction. And then others, because they might perceive that as an abuse, will say, you know what? No, we know what to do. We have scripture, and it, it tells us clearly how to live our lives and what to do. We don't need really this much involvement with the Holy Spirit in our lives today. So those are kind of like the two ends of the spectrum, right? So maybe somewhere in the middle. I, I, I don't know. And, uh, but we certainly don't want, if, if you know what deism is, basically just says that God created everything, but now he's not really involved. He doesn't intervene in his creation. He just lets whatever happened is going to happen, and he's not involved with it anymore. And in my opinion, unfortunately, in some churches have gone that far, where it's like, no, God's not involved. We have scripture. That's all we need. Just follow and do it. But don't expect any help, you know, from God. So where, where are we today? Does he still lead this directly in our lives? First verse I want to look at is Acts 1.8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the Holy Spirit in Acts 1.8, this Pentecost, um, is given to the church. We're still the church today. We need the Holy Spirit as much as they did, probably more, Right? And so we need his power. If, if we are going to influence and carry the gospel forward in this world and hope to bear fruit, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in whatever form that takes. So the Spirit's given to the church, and we have the same need for the empowerment and direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Look at John 17, 18 through 20. And this is part of Jesus' very intimate time with his disciples right before he goes to the cross. In fact, John chapter 13 through 17, if, if you want to be in that room with Jesus and his disciples, very intimate conversation going on there. 
uh, you can be. You just read those chapters and enter into that. Just as you sent me into the world, and uh, Jesus is praying this, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, meaning the disciples. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. And I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. And I always get excited when I read this because it's like, this is me and this is you. You know, it's like, just as, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending Daryl into the world. I am sending Caleb into the world. I'm sending Stephanie into the world. And um, because he's praying not only for them in that room, but also for all who will ever believe. And when Jesus was sent into the world, he was not sent in alone, right? I mean, he was God, he became flesh, but he gave up. He gave up some of that, you know, aspects of divinity, right? He became human flesh. He was all God and all man, but there were some limitations that he was willing to take on there. But he had so much communication with the Father. In fact, in the Gospel of John, he said that I don't do or say anything unless the Father tells me to say or do it. And you see Jesus constantly going out and praying, and, 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 and he would receive direction and come back, and boom, and then he'd go off and do whatever the Father would tell him. And at one time, you know, he's up on a mountain, right? And is it Moses and Elijah appear to him. They talk to him about what's coming up with the crucifixion and that kind, that kind of thing. Anyways, all kinds of communication going on. Jesus needed it. We need it more than Jesus. We need this communication. We need this empowerment from God in order to fulfill the mission that he has given to us. So is it still going on? I mean, I, I, I believe it is. The first time God spoke to me very clearly in a direct kind of way, intervened, so to speak, I, wasn't, I had not even come to know Jesus at this point in my life. It was about two years away. Um, I was like 17 years old driving on a highway in the left lane going up this hill, and I had just passed a car. And then this voice in my head said, get in the right lane. And I was like, okay, I will. But I didn't. And then and I'm still driving in the left lane. It's a, a, an interstate, divided highway. I got my two lanes right, big, median, these two lanes. And so I'm in my left lane over here. And then second time, only a little bit louder, get in the right lane. Uh, yeah, okay, I should, uh, but I didn't. And then we're getting near the crest of this hill. And then a third time, it was like it screamed in my mind, get in the right lane. I'm like, I answered it out loud. I was like, okay, I will. And I got in the right lane. And then as soon as we crested that hill, another car in my left lane, just like that, bias. And then about another quarter mile, there was a steady, you know, chasing them down over there. But I would have been incinerated. <laughs> I mean, that would have been it. You know, and it's funny because when I think about, like, I don't remember talking about it much or even thinking about it much. But a year and a half or two years later, when I came to know Jesus and God became such a reality to me, I can remember at one point thinking, oh my God, oh my goodness, that was you, God. That was you. You spoke to me on that highway, preserved my life. 
There must be a reason for that, right? He has his purposes. But I've recognized that voice over the years, many times over since. So does he still speak to the, in, in that way to me? I would say yes. I think the scriptural testimony would say yes. I think the last 2,000 or so years of uh, Christian history would say yes. My personal experience, I would certainly say yes. I think of Ephesians 3.20. don't have it up on the slide, but it says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly more than all we could ask or think according to the power that mightily works within you. Man, that doesn't sound like deism to me, right? That sounds like that stuff you know is going on inside of you. In fact, oftentimes when I share the gospel with others, and they say, yeah, I, I think, yeah I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think I know Jesus like that. And I say, well, what's going on in your heart then? Well, what do you mean? Well, how is God, how, how is he at work in you? And we'll start talking about this, this, this Holy Spirit that comes to reside inside of us and this power that's available to us, this change of life and attitude and this love that comes in and this this ability to overcome certain things in our lives that maybe before kind of held us in chains, obviously one being sin. And as we talk about this, oftentimes people go, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that's me. And I'm saying, that's what the Bible teaches. This is, this is, this is what the Christian life is all about. It's becoming an entirely new person. This is what God does for us, right? So... I want to make a distinction here. I want to make a distinction between the daily work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, okay? And then this kind of specific moments of intervention. Because what happened with Paul there is a specific moment of intervention in his life. They, were, they wanted to do something. The Holy Spirit said no. They wanted, okay, we'll do this. No. Okay, now it seems like you're telling us to go do that. All right, that's, that's what we want to talk about today. And uh, a little bit different than the daily work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And what I'm going to do this morning is kind of explore this with you. Because this is an area you can get very uncomfortable if you get too dogmatic. And I don't want to get dogmatic. I know my experience. I don't know yours. I know scripture and some things we'll talk about here, but, uh, you know, this, this, is, this is not something you can be too, like, this is the way it is kind of thing. So, and you'll see that as we, as we go through here. So, what's this daily work of the Holy Spirit? Well, daily, you know, as we um, are in God's Word, God is speaking through us in His Word, Right? Like he's deepening our faith. As we read it, we kind of nod in agreement. And we feel that conviction grow, right? We feel our faith deepening. We, we agree with it. It's like, it's like we're on the road to Emmaus. Remember when Jesus was uh, risen from the dead? And Jesus is explaining scripture to him, And then, boom, he disappears. And they say, whoa, weren't our hearts warmed as he was explaining the scriptures to us? This is like the daily work of the Holy Spirit, opening up scripture um, just, just putting it into our hearts and our faith and our convictions grow as we're doing that. This, uh, the, daily, he's bringing us empowerment and boldness, maybe to overcome our, our insecurities or fears or whatever in order to share the gospel or love, serve, whatever it is. 
Maybe daily is bringing to mind a verse or giving us words that meets the need of the moment as we're, as we're maybe sharing the gospel or seeking to build up and encourage uh, another person. Um, so, and it could be an impression of who to talk to or what to say. Many times, hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times over the last 40 years or so as I've shared and just been talking with, with people, a, a, a verse would just come to mind or just the words will come to mind. And, 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 it's, and you, just, you just know and you sense at times like, man, God, that was you, especially when it's kind of that is affirmed by the response of the person that you're talking to. This is kind of like the daily, you know, stuff that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. But at times, and this is what happened to Paul here, and this is what we're talking about this morning. So we're kind of getting in this, this territory that we're not talking like these foundational things. Let's kind of get out on this scary slope for a little while and be a little unsure and not be so dogmatic about it, but, but also be excited that, man, we serve an awesome God that's very involved, wants to be very involved in our lives, and at times may intervene and break into our world with a clear direction, and however it comes. For me, it's this voice. It's kind of like on the highway, get in the right lane. And I have heard that a number of times since then. Clear, out of nowhere, this voice in my mind. Some people would say, you're psychotic, you know, maybe. But it would tell me what to do or not do, or say or not say at times. A little bit more than just an impression of, or just come like a verse comes to mind, or these words come to mind to be like, say this, do this, don't do that, you know, that kind of thing. So it's this intervention that comes in. It gives us specific instructions, directions, insight that pertains to us in that moment as to what we should do or could do. So again, for me, it's usually just this voice that comes out of nowhere. Sometimes people say, well, how do you, how do you know? And it's, it's hard to explain. I've come to recognize it over the last 40 years or so. But it, it, it'd be like, you know, if me and Joe are having a conversation, I don't question, hey, is Joe talking to me right now? I'm not sure, you know. And we don't question that, that physical part of our world, do we? And, uh, but that's kind of a crazy thing that, that I have these things in here, and I, I, I move them, and it do, 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 kind of hits all these particles in the air and goes into your ear, and you hear it, and we communicate. And then why is it so crazy that God can't communicate to us deep in our spirits, which obviously Romans 8 says he does do that. He says deep in our, our spirit that, that his spirit communicates with our spirit and tells us that we're his child. And so how much more can he just speak to us and give us direction and guidance? whenever he so chooses. One of the first times as a Christian that God spoke to me uh, wasn't when I prayed to receive Christ. I just knew I needed to do it. But the first time as, as, as a Christian, probably about a year or so into it, I was really doubting my salvation. And I remember in a Bible study, they said, that, you know, they threw out all these verses about assurances of forgiveness, that God has forgiven you. And and that, you know, you can take, you, you can be confident in that. And I'm like, I'm not confident in that. They threw out all these verses. I wrote them all down. I went out and for like three or four weeks, I just pray over these and repeat these verses. And uh, I was down in a park one day and it was Romans 10, 13. 
whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I remember I was just like, God, is this true in my life? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, you say will be saved. And, and I still know the exact spot. I, I love going there every once in a while. <clears throat> and uh, three or four weeks into this, just, I was pretty much going through all the verses, praying the same things, but I happened to be saying, I was repeating that. You say, God, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And God just said, you're one of the whoever's. And I was just like, whoa, you know. Just stopped dead in my tracks. I'm like, oh, thank you. Yes, I am. It wasn't a definition problem, right? Like, I mean, I know what whoever means, but I needed some confirmation from God. He needed to speak deep into my heart and my spirit and show me and tell me, yes, you're one of the whoever's. So there's purpose and meaning, too, when God does speak to us. I've never doubted it since. I don't have any reason to. God spoke that very clearly. doesn't mean he has to do it for all of us or for every topic and everything going on in our lives. There's many things that he has never done that in in my life that has tended to come gradually and that kind of thing. But in that moment, he chose to intervene and just stop this nonsense in some way and say, all right, you're one of the whoever's. Come on, get your act together. Let's move on. Right? I don't know what he was thinking. But man, that ended it for me. And now I, now I had confidence and I knew. So over the years, at times, God will give specific instructions and guidance. Oh, I, I, this is so messed up. I've written so many things over it. But God has done this not, I, I wouldn't say, and even if I was thinking about this, you know, I've, I've written a list down of times that God has intervened in my life in this way, and it's, it's somewhere between 40 and 50 times. Every once in a while, I'll remember another time, and I'll be like, oh, thank you, Lord, I'd forgotten about that. And I've written a list out, and, uh, and, and as I go through that, every once in a while, I'll look through it, and twice God told me exactly where to move, twice God told me exactly who to minister, where to minister, in what context. Once God told me not to marry somebody. And so then when I, you know, was thinking about marrying who I am now married to, I said, God, you got to speak to me the same way you said no to her. You need to say yes to her. God never did that because, you know, he's not my genie in a bottle, right? But uh, and many, many other things that God has spoken to, what to do or say or what not to do or say that went beyond just that kind of came to mind. It was more spoken to me as I was seeking to influence others. He's spoken into God's character, uh, into who I am in Christ. Some he, some, he has specifically shown me how to more effective, effectively pray and seek God. Many have been for building up the church. And one of the first times he intervened in building up the church, I was still a college student leading a little home church of about 35 students or so, and I was out praying for it. I'm like, God, you know, do just like lead this time, do this, do that, help me, you know, lead it. And God just spoke to me and said, go there and serve me. And I knew exactly what he meant. I, was, I had selfish motives for going there that night. May or may not had something to do with uh, a girl that was there, but I had selfish things I was thinking about that night, and God said, go there to serve me, and I'm like, you're right, God, changed everything, and I went there, never had more fun, more joy, leading a time, more like just not worrying about self at all, 
but just loving God's people and trying to build them up. Some have been hilarious as well as very effective. When I uh, um, had, I, I climbed trees for a couple years as I was planning a church down in Kentucky, the guys I worked with were um, characters to say the least. Would have been a great reality show today. One guy I worked with, Timmy, was a, um, uh, a character in himself. Didn't have running water or electricity to his, like in, into his teen years. And uh, here I'm like the city slicker Christian guy, right? Working with Timmy and Alfred and all these guys. And to make a long story short, I'm, I'm praying and saying, God, use me to influence these guys. But how can I? Who? Like, we have nothing in common, you know, in these kind of things. And uh, um, I just need to move on in this story more quickly than I'd like. But one day we're up in a tree, in walnut trees, and... Uh, and, you, you know, we're trimming up these trees. We kind of stopped for a while. It was in the fall. We're having a walnut fight about 20 yards away. It was a lot of fun. We're throwing walnuts at each other, avoiding it, you know, ha-ha. And then, okay, time to go back to work. And uh, so I got back, and, and we never wore helmets. And so I'm, I'm trimming up, and all of a sudden, a walnut flies by my head. And I'm like, what? And then another one. And I'm like, what? He's throwing walnuts at me. And if you know what a walnut is, it's about the size of a baseball. And, and so as I'm doing this, one, two, and I'm like, what? I go, he's going to hit me. He's going to hit me right in the head, and I am going to get so mad, you know? And God spoke, and God said, yes, he's going to hit you in the head, but you're not going to get mad. You're going to shake your head and keep working. And I was like, first of all, I was amazed, you know, that that came at that moment. I'm like, okay. And literally a second later, bam, right in the head. I just shook my head and kept working. Later at lunch, as we're sitting there, about six or seven of us, and you could talk and no one really cared what you said because then someone else would say whatever they wanted to say. And Timmy out of nowhere just said, you know, I don't want to imitate his Kentucky accent, but I'll try. He goes, you know, that Daryl, he's a tough old bird. And, uh, and I just thought, okay, that's funny. But I noticed... When I spoke up about spiritual things, which I would do, Timmy, after that, would look right at me. No one else would. He never did. But after that, whenever I spoke, he looked right at me and listened. And two months later, he became a Christian. God is building this church. One, one time, which used to encourage me, when I was really depressed and really discouraged, I was out during my prayer time. And God said, pray that within a week, someone in your family calls you and says that they become a Christian. I was like, okay, I will. And about three days later, I get a call from my cousin Mark in Oklahoma, who I never talked to. We'd visit in the summers, but I hadn't seen him in years. We had, we're really not close. We don't talk or anything. And he called me up in his Oklahoma accent, which I will try not to imitate, but I will. Um, and he goes, hey, Daryl, this is... This is, uh, hey, this is your Mark from Cousin, Oklahoma. I'm not even trying, I can't get it. And, uh, and uh, he goes, I know this is kind of weird that I'm calling you, but I, God is just telling me to call you and let you know I've become a Christian. <laughs> I 
So in my life, it's been related to going and making disciples of all the nations. It's been related to God's work. And I've written out a list. Why? Because it's like Deuteronomy 8.2, where God told the Israel who he had led in the wilderness, remember how I have led you these many years in the wilderness. And I want to remember. And praise God. And sometimes I, you know, even doing this, I'll look through the list and just praise God. I'm like, God, this is so encouraging. How many times you have broken through. And this doesn't count to the daily working of your Holy Spirit, of, of being empowered to get up and maybe do something like this, which at one time was impossible for me to do. I'm not saying that. The interventions and God showing up and leading and guiding and directing in that moment at that time. So how can we be led like this? How can I be in a position to be specifically led by the Holy Spirit? Um, so the daily work, if that's not happening, that's pretty serious, right? We need to start asking ourselves, how come I'm not, how come the Word isn't speaking to me? How come, you know, I'm not, I'm not um, you know, feeling this desire to really go out and serve you, God, and love people and reach out and get out of my comforts, all those kind of things, all right? So if, if, if that's not happening in that work, that daily work of the Holy Spirit, that's, that's serious. We really want to start asking questions. If the intervention stuff isn't happening, in some ways I'd say don't worry about it, but should you worry about it? I don't know. Because all I know is 40 or so times, somewhere in there, so about one time a year in the 40 years I've served God, he has come through in some kind of intervention kind of way and has, has, has just out of nowhere told me what to do or say, et cetera, et cetera. Preserve my life or help lead someone else to Christ or encourage and build up others, whatever the moment was. Maybe that's a lot, or maybe it's not. I don't know, right? I mean, maybe it should be a lot more than that. Maybe it should be, maybe it should have been hundreds and hundreds of times. I know many times I've kind of walked away from God, and, and then I'll come back, and I can tell you when those times where I've kind of walked away, it's been pretty quiet and pretty silent. Times I'm really pursuing and seeking Him, it tends to be, some more activity there. I've had one visitation, just to kind of throw a lot of questions in a lot of your minds. And, uh, and I didn't even know what to call it till I read, I, at one point I was reading David Brainerd's, um, his journal, and he was a missionary to Native uh, Americans back in the 1700s. And he would spend um, a fortnight in prayer, which is what, two weeks? Who knows, right? Four, I, think, I think it's two weeks. Two weeks, thank you. And he uh, go, yeah, I spent a fortnight in prayer. Uh, and uh, and near the end, I was waning in, in my you know, ability to do that. But then God wonderfully uh, came in a visitation and strengthened me for another fortnight in prayer, right? And so it's like, man, do you really... Want God? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, right? The door will be open, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and uh, so he had, like, you read his journal, it's like visitation, 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 you know? It's like, wow. So 
I don't know, one kind of intervention a year? That could be, it could be way more. I, you know, again, I, I don't know. And uh, so it's God we're dealing with here. But how can you be in a position? Matthew 28, Jesus came, told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you to the end of the age. How can you know when Jesus is with you to the end of the age? When you're involved in his work. I mean, you know that because, you know, if you've asked him in your life, you know that. But how do you, is, is he walking with you? Is he going to be very active in your life? You'll, if you're involved, there's great commission, I believe he will be. So be about God's business. Be neck deep in his work in this world. I've talked to too many who wonder why they aren't experiencing God in this way. And the answer is always, in my experience, that they really don't have much passion or desire to immerse themselves in going and making disciples. To me, that has been the defining factor of whether how much someone's experiencing this power, this work of God, the Holy Spirit in their lives. So being involved in a church, serving in a church, being a member of a church doesn't automatically mean you're going, that, that you are going and making disciples, right? Any more than it automatically means that you had the forgiveness and salvation that Christ offers. Question to ask yourself, if everyone was doing what I'm doing, would the gospel spread throughout, throughout Athens? That may give you the answer of, am I all about the Great Commission? This is what God is doing. But then the third question is, what if the Holy Spirit hasn't ever led me like this, in this intervention kind of way? The first thing I'd ask is, do you have a deep conviction, an unshakable faith, and a determined focus, and a desire to be a part of God's work, of seeing people come to faith in Christ and become more like Him? And then if you say yes to that, then... I would say, just because he hasn't yet doesn't mean that he won't in the future. But then I'd also ask another question. I would ask, I, I, would, I would look at John 15, and I'd ask if this is true of them. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches." Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So remain in me, that's not just avoiding sin. It's not just avoiding sin. It's pressing in and drawing near to God. It's more than just avoiding sin. It's drawing near to God. It's pursuing God in his word and his prayer to, to really know him and to make him known. And it's submitting our dependence on him, on him where every day we say, God, I need you today. I need you to show up today. I, know, I need to know what to say. Use me today. What should I do? Lead, guide, and direct me. Because without that, I know I cannot be fruitful. So maybe this will help, in, 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 at least in my experience in this, is... When I graduated, I, was, I needed a job, 
that my ministry was on campus. I had a job. There was about 16 people at this job. I, they're not my ministry, was, was my thinking. It's, it's out on campus. I didn't pray. I didn't pray for them. They weren't on, they weren't on my heart. I really didn't have a desire to reach out to them. I didn't press into God about their souls. Guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Absolute silence. Nothing happened. So my next two jobs, as I was planning churches, I decided, no, God convicted me of that. He didn't, he didn't, it wasn't an intervention thing. I just knew. I just, the more, it just I, God, I know that I, wherever I'm at, I need to be all about going and making disciples. So my next two jobs, I prayed. And I asked I, every day, give me a passion for their souls. This is not my main ministry. I know that, God, but give me a passion for their souls. Give me your love for them. Use me. Show me. Help me. Today, today, God, what are you going to use me? How are you going to use me in their lives? And I'd pray that every single day and go into work, and I'd pray it throughout the day. Guess what happened? Everything. I mean, the one job was Timmy and the tree guys, and there's only six guys. You know, other guys kind of came and went, but over those two years, only about six guys. And I could probably sit for an hour and a half and two hours and just tell you stories about what God did there. The other was 16 guys, and God did so much there. and gave me so much specific direction and tons of help. So be about God's work and abide in the vine. Pray fervently for the Holy Spirit to use you and show you what you're to do. Ask Him to empower you. But don't wait for the Holy Spirit to bust through the door, right? Don't wait for him to give you direction before you do anything. You know what to do. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Speak up. Do it. As you're doing it, pray. Say, God, show me. What do I do and how do I do it? And he'll show up when he needs to. Because in some ways, I would, I would say, you know, you, you don't necessarily, like, we don't know we need the intervention until it happens, right? Like, we're just doing what God has told us to do. But then when he does intervene, then it's like, God, I see that. Wow, thank you. Like, that just opened the door. That, you know, just changes everything. And this is what God is about and what he wants to do. Look at Acts 16, 13. On the Sabbath... We went a, uh, a little way outside the city. This is Paul and Silas. This was after God said, don't go there. Don't go there. Go there. So then the next day, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank. <laughs> she's like, this sermon needs to be over. <laughs> and it does. I'm, I know it does. Um, So we went out to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. It was like, oh, then the next day the Holy Spirit told us to go to the riverbank. No, they just went about what God had already told them to do, right? And God did an amazing thing. A little bit later, you can read it later in Acts 16, uh, Paul heals uh, a, a young girl that um, was a fortune teller because she was demon-possessed, and he, he uh, delivered her from the demon, but it wasn't like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, here's what you got to do, Paul. You got to deliver from the demon. It actually says he just got upset about it. He got exasperated because he's getting sick of day after day, this girl saying, 
I know who you are, you know, doing that. And he just got a little, you know, so he's just about the work. And God will intervene if he so chooses. If it's needed, he'll inter- intervene at time. And again, maybe my experience is like way low on the spectrum. I don't know. Maybe it could be way more than that. My experience has been the more I just immerse myself into it and say, God, give me the desire. Give me the heart. Give me the love. More of the Holy Spirit shows up. Okay. So we don't want to over or under spiritualize our work, right? as we are going to go and make disciples of all the nations. So this in ending, could you imagine walking beside Jesus? Like if he were to appear physically right now, and he said, you know what? I can take one of you and walk with you for like a year. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to walk around Athens for a year and just see what happens. We're going to talk to people and see what happens. I can only choose one. Like all of us would be like, or probably most of us, right? We'd be like, oh, choose me, man, please. You know, I want to walk with you, Jesus, for a year and just walk around Athens and see what you do and how you do it. Can you imagine how much you would learn and grow and he'd encourage you and show you and tell you and all? Man, we would love it. We would love it. Look at John 16. Jesus is saying, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And he will be with you forever. And the advocate's the Holy Spirit, the helper, the counselor, the encourager, the comforter the one who intervenes. I mean, that's pretty awesome, right? You're not alone. You're not alone. This is something God has taught me probably in the first five years. I, I just, you know, I felt like God was continually impressing it upon me was two things. One, reality is not that brick wall in that. Reality is the things of God. It's God's kingdom that's just as real. And that is something... I want you to see as you're walking through the world and not just seeing the trees and the people and the cars, but see me, see me at work, see what I'm doing. And number two, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is in you and with you. And the more we dive into his work and what he is all about, because in verse eight, it says, what's what's the Holy Spirit do? He convicts the world of its sin. He convinces the world of God's righteousness He convinces the world of God's coming judgment. And when you jump in to what he is doing and you give yourself to it, guess what? You enter into the world of the Holy Spirit. And that's a wild ride. It's it's really the best ride you can be in as we live on this earth. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I thank you for this. I feel so inadequate to share this. I feel like it can be so confusing. I just pray, Lord, that... We just sit back and just be in awe of, of, of God who we cannot really begin to grasp. As much as you have revealed yourself, we cannot begin to grasp your holiness, your greatness, how awesome you are, God. But I just thank you, Lord, you've, you've given us yourself. You've sealed us with yourself, your Holy Spirit. The amazing power 
and, and ability that you have given that surpasses whatever we could ask, think, or imagine. It resides inside of us. Thank you for that, Lord. Help me to be all about your business, God. I can get so distracted so easily. Help me, help each one of us to be about your business. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name.